Good morning. Kids, you are not dismissed. You are in with us today. Does that sound exciting or what? Well, you never know what can happen when Steve's up here, so let me just say that in advance. Ready? I'm, a, <clears throat> I'm really actually super thirsty. I left my water over there. Hey, could you grab my water right there? It's on that front seat right there and just bring it up to me. Thanks, man. Just one's good. <clears throat> Thank you. <clears throat> you guys ever get really thirsty? get thirsty like that? No? Oh, I should recycle that. You're right. I'll get that later. Thank you for that. You know when you're super thirsty and you, you don't want soda then, right? Does anybody want soda? No. Do you want Gatorade? No, you don't. What you want is you want water. You want, you want cold, ice cold water and you, sometimes you just can't even drink enough of it, right? This morning we're going to talk about water and thirst. Um, We're actually starting the last week of our series on the prophets. Um, If you've got your outline notes, pull them out here. This is the last week on the prophets Elijah and Elisha. And we've been talking about Elijah and Elisha. Today we are not talking about Elijah, we are talking about Elisha. And I know we get them mixed up, and if I mix it up, that's okay. You guys know who I'm talking about. But Elisha was the prophet who took over for Elijah. Elijah. Elijah was this massive prophet and he did all these crazy things. And then Elisha, actually, they say, uh, God says to Elijah, hey, go find Elisha, make him your apprentice. And then you're going to take, Elisha would take over when Elijah was done. So last week we saw Pastor Glenn took us through that story where Elisha is called to be a prophet, right? And how Elisha dropped the plow that he had been plowing behind his whole life at his family farm and basically left everything he knew to follow Elijah and to follow God's call on his life. He literally killed the cows and burned the plows. That's what he did. He gave up his old way of life and he stopped working at Shafat Farms, Inc., which is like his family farm farm where he had everything waiting for him. And we talked about what it would look like. What would it look like for you and I if God called in that moment? Are we willing to bury, you know, kill the cows and, and, and cook them and, and, and burn the plows? Like, are we willing to do that and to jump into that calling? Hey, this morning I want to start with a question for you. Here's the question. How many people here have ever played the if only game? Does anybody know what I'm talking about when I talk about the if only game? This is the if only game, right? We say it all the time. If only I had blank, then my life would be better. If only I had this, then my life would be easier. If only I had blank, then my life would be happier, right? If only I had a better job. If only I had a little more money. If I was just making a little bit more, then then I'd be there. God, if only, God, you would heal me of this thing that I've been battling for forever, then my life would be better. God, if I only had a husband, then, then I'd be, God, if I only had a wife, if I only had, some of you are like, God, if I only had a girlfriend, just give me a girlfriend, that's all I'm asking for, God. Uh, you know, we, we play this thing, and, and all of us have played this in, again and again in our minds at some point in our life where we're asking the question, if only, if only, if only. And so today as we look at this chapter from the life of Elisha, 
I want you to see it through the lens of a time when you had a need in your life. Like when you had a a deep need in your life. Now, maybe for some of you sitting here today, you're like, Steve, that's right now. Right now, I've got a need. I can tell you what that need is. It's bad, and it's, and it's big. But for some of you, if you're not there, I want you to remember back to a time when you had a need in your life, like a significant, deep need, and, and remember that. So this morning, let me give you the context for our story. How many people like context for the story? Eh, whatever. I don't like context. I think it'd be better if I just showed you the story. Does that sound better for everybody? So in order to show you this story, I need four volunteers. I need kid volunteers, four kid volunteers that are willing to come up on stage. And so four kid volunteers. All I need is you to start moving. In the first service, they ran up here. There's one. I got one right over there. Come on up. All right. I need three more. Look at that. See? Nothing to be afraid of. Three more volunteers. I see some resisting. If parents, if I don't get kid volunteers, I'm just going to call up people I know. I got two more over here. All right. Come on up. That's good. I need one more. Okay. I got it right here. Sorry, man. I got my four volunteers. All right. Stand right here next to each other. Very good. Those are my four. I also need some teenagers, preferably teenagers sitting together nearby. Anybody got some teenagers sitting together? Is there some up there in the... Oh, right there. I got my whole... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Okay. Teenagers, you can stay where you're at, but I need you in a little bit. You'll understand why in a second, okay? Does that sound good for you? So here is the story. I'm going to tell you about three kings. I need three kings. I'll tell you what, you, you want to be a king or do you want to be Elisha? Elisha. I'm going to make you Elisha. You come over here, buddy. All right, Declan, you're right there. You are Elisha. You three are kings, okay? You are kings, and kings got to have crowns, right? So I got Burger King crowns that say, you rule. You rule, and you definitely rule, Okay. All right, so you are kings, but kings also lead their armies in war. And so you three kings get swords. How about that? There you go. Be careful with the sword. Oh, see, you almost got me. You get a sword, and you get a sword. Everybody look on your sheets. Everyone gets a No, I'm kidding. Uh, but you, my friend, are Elisha. Elisha the prophet is a man of God. So Elisha doesn't get a sword, I'm sorry to say. Elisha gets a staff, there you go, and Elisha gets a cloak. How do you feel about that? Good. Good. All right, here we go. Now, there are some lines that are going to be up on the screen that I'm going to have you read, and I'll help you if you need help reading it, but we are going to tell the story this morning. Are you guys ready? The three kings had to fight a war together. You are the king of, <laughs> you're looking at me like, <laughs> you are the king of Edom, who doesn't have a name in the story. I'm sorry to say that. And the king, also, he doesn't even have any lines. I'm sorry to say that. But you're a king, okay? You are King Joram, okay? Say Joram. Joram. Joram, very good, of Israel. You're the king of Israel, and you are King Jehoshaphat. Say Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. 
Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, you are the king of Judah. So here's how the story goes. Are we all ready for this? This could go sideways on me, people, just so we're all together on this, all right? Good. I'm going to tell you the story of this. So the story goes like this. The three kings came together to fight a war. They were all going to fight together in a war. So hold up your swords together. Hold them up together. Cross the swords together. Hold them together. There you go, just like that. And now what I want you to do is say, all for one and one for all. All for one and one for all. That was one for one and one for all. Let's try all for one and one for all. Everybody say it. All for one and one for all. There we go. Very good. So you guys are in a war and you're fighting together. And so the three of you as kings have your armies all fighting together. And really you should win this war pretty easily because it's three kings and three armies against one army. So you're pretty feeling pretty confident about this. So in order to go to war, you guys are going to march your armies to the battlefield, all right? And it says in the Bible that they took the long way around. So you guys are going to march that way. Okay, I'll try it again. You guys are going to march that way, march that way, and you're going to march all the way around the long way, all the way around the auditorium. Go the long way. Keep going. There you go. Keep marching all together, all for one and one for all. Don't leave behind the other king. There you go. So they are marching all the way around to fight the Moabites, all right? But along the way... They ran completely out of water. They have no water. No water for their troops. No water for their cattle. No water for anybody, okay? And here's the point of the story. If you're taking notes, here's the first point. Your greatest need becomes a blessing when it causes you to depend on God. Your greatest need becomes a blessing when it causes you to depend on God. And let's talk about the scriptures. Look, they're still wandering. You're getting very thirsty. Are you thirsty? Yes, very thirsty. All right, keep coming. Keep coming. My three kings and their three armies are marching together. And you're going to come up here, and we're going to read the scripture. We're going to read it straight out of the Bible. Here we go. Here's how the story goes. The king of Edom. Who's the king of Edom? That's you. Raise your hand. Yes, the king of Edom. And his troops joined them. And all three armies traveled along a roundabout route through the wilderness for how long? Seven days. I'm glad you guys are with the story. But there was what? No water for the men or their animals. There's no water for your men, okay? And this is what happens. The king of Israel cried out. That's Joram. You're Joram, right? Okay, look up on the screen there. You're going to say, what should we do? What should we do? There we go. The king of Israel cried out. And then you said, the Lord has brought. The Lord has brought. The three of us. The three of us here, here to let the king to let the king of Moab of Moab defeat us. Defeat us. This is terrible. This is terrible. But King Jehoshaphat, which that's you, King Jehoshaphat of Judah asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord? Is there no prophet of the world? Lord with us. Lord with us. If there is, if there is, we can ask the Lord what to do. If there is, we could ask the Lord what to do. Through him. Through him. Very good. Very good. This is hard work, people. Okay? And then one of King Joram's officers replied, Elisha, Elisha, 
son of Shaphat is here. He used to be Elijah's personal assistant, which is awesome. And then Jehoshaphat said, yes, the Lord speaks through him. Yes, the Lord speaks through him. So the king of Israel, King Jehoshaphat of Judah, and the king of Edom went to consult with Elijah. So they're coming to see you, Elisha, right? Okay, now remember I told you, Elisha was the apprentice of Elijah, right? And one of the great miracles that Elijah did, you remember I talked to us about two weeks ago, Elijah prayed that it would rain, and he saw a little cloud far off in the distance, the size of a man's hand, and it came in, and it eventually dumped rain all over them, right? And so I think they're basically thinking if Elijah could make it rain, maybe Elisha can make it rain too. So Elisha, maybe he'll do a little rain dance for us. Maybe he won't. Okay. Uh, Good talk. I'm glad we had that. Now, it's important to know that these three kings are actually bad kings. Everybody say boo. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. You're bad kings, you know what you did, okay? You're, you're bad kings. And so here's the interesting thing. The bad kings, right, they go to God like we all do when we're in trouble, and they say, oh, God, help us, God, we need you, God, right? And so they come to Elisha, and they need an answer. Now, Elisha is on his own. Elijah has been taken up into heaven, into a chariot of fire, and you're on your own. You're a rookie prophet, you're a rookie prophet and you're, you're rocking it. You're killing it so far in your rookie year, okay? Let me tell you exactly how this happens, right? In your rookie year, you parted the Jordan River. Come over here. Elisha took his cloak, right here, take that off, and he threw it down onto the river. Just like that. And the river parted. The river Jordan parted and you were able to walk on dry land. That's pretty cool, don't you think? I mean, Moses parted the sea, you parted a river, but you're a rookie, okay? So, pick up your cloak, and, and yeah, so he did that. There's another time where Elisha, actually, there, the water in a town was bad, it was making everybody sick and infertile, he poured some salt into the water, and basically the spring became fresh again, and everybody uh, lived, and, and that was awesome. So, did you know also Elisha, did you know Elisha is the very first recorded person to work in youth ministry? Elisha is the very first person recorded to work in youth ministry. Let me tell you what happened. Elisha was follically challenged. How many people know what I'm talking about here? Elisha was going bald. So, um, are you ready? Okay, we won't do that then. Uh, Elisha was bald. He, now, we don't know how bald he was, if they were doing a full awkward comb over or whatever it was, but Elisha is basically going bald, and at this point, some youths from the town started making fun of Elisha. Where's my youths? The youths up there. This is what they said. This is in scripture. Go away, baldy. Go away, baldy. Let's hear it. Okay, let's try that again with some vim and vigor. Go away, Baldy. Go away, Baldy. There's, there's six of you up there. I'm going to do this on three, and we're going to do it all together. Ready? You're going to say, go away, Baldy. Ready? One, two, three. At this point, they deserve what they're about to get. Here's what happens. Elisha says, oh, do you like being called baldy? 
That's not right, right? That's wrong. That's, he, they shouldn't call you that. So Elisha called some bears out of the wilderness and the bears mauled 42 teenagers. <laughs> True story in the Bible. Take a look at it when you get a chance. Elisha's got to go on. Give me some up top. That's what I'm talking about. You guys, and by the way, there's a few things we can learn from that. The first is this. Don't make fun of bald people. Where's the bald people out there? We don't make fun of bald people. Second of all, youth people, don't mess with your youth leaders because they'll, they'll come and get you. Okay, so that's another story. You should read your Bible. There's cool stories in the Bible, okay? Uh, so what's the point of that story? That's, that's it. So what Elisha, get this, Elisha cops an attitude in this moment. He has an attitude with these three kings over here. Uh, do you know where Elisha learned to cop an attitude? Elijah. Elijah was the king of the attitude. If you don't remember, when Elijah was having that contest on Mount Carmel and there's like 850 prophets and they're trying to call down fire from the sky and then basically, you know, they're, they're wailing and dancing and cutting themselves and, and nothing's happening. Elijah gives them attitude the entire time. He says, oh, what's wrong? Your God can't hear you. Is your God sleeping? Maybe your God needs to be woken up. And then he says, maybe your God's on the can. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. Maybe he can't. That's literally in the Bible, people, okay? He says, maybe that's what's happening. And so he throws this attitude towards them. So Elijah cops that attitude. But here's what Elisha says. All right, you ready? We got some lines. Are you ready? Let's look up on the screen right there. Why are you coming to me? Why are you coming to me? Elisha asked the king of Israel, go to the pagan prophet. Go to the pagan prophet. Of your father and mother. Of your father and mother. Yeah, your mama's got a prophet. Your daddy's got a prophet. Why don't you go to them? Huh? Let's keep going. But the king of Joram of Israel said, No. No. For it was the Lord. For it was the Lord. Who called us three kings here. Who called us three kings here. Only to be defeated by the king of Moab. Only to be defeated from the king of Moab. Okay, very good. And then Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives. As surely as the Lord lives. The Lord Almighty lives. The Lord Almighty lives. Whom I serve. Whom I serve. I wouldn't even bother with you. I wouldn't even bother with you. Except for my respect. Except for my respect. You're doing good. Of King Jehoshaphat. Of King Jehoshaphat. Of Judah. Of Judah. King Jehoshaphat of Judah, you are a bad king now, but you used to be a good king. He's got a little bit of respect for you, and so he's going to prophesy, and then listen to what happens there. That's the attitude. Your mama's got a prophet. Your daddy's got a prophet. Why don't you call your mama's prophet? It's the first your mama joke anywhere in the world. Do you know that? It's the first your mama's got it. Your mama, your mama's God is so angry, they won't even serve him a, a Happy Meal at McDonald's. That's the, okay, never mind. Uh, so now you got to remember, Elisha's saying this to the king. These are the kings of the three armies, right? And so listen to what Elisha says next. I love this. It's so bold. Take a look up there. This is your moment. This is when it's happening. Now bring me someone who can play the harp. Now bring someone that can play, play the harp. Elisha's like, I need some music. If I'm going to prophesy, I need some music. Where's Dane? There's Dane. We need, some, we need some music. Bring me someone who can play the harp. All right, come on. Let's see if we can feel it. We're going to prophesy here. Is this working for you? It's not really working for me either. 
It's a little slow. I need something with a beat that I can dance to. Do you agree with that? No, you don't want that either. You know, I was thinking something a little bit more like this, Dane. Like Toto. I bless the rains down in there. No, I'm the only one. So you get some music, and it's your moment. It's your it's your moment. You're gonna prophesy. And and this is what happens. Ready? They're expecting some rain. Y'all are expecting some rain because Elisha's gonna prophesy. Listen to what Elisha says. Bring it up here. Then it happened. When the music played, that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, this is your moment. This is your line. This is the important part. Thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Make this valley full of ditches. Make this valley full of ditches. And so you know what Elisha says? Put down your swords. And instead, he says, pick up a shovel. I'm going to give you the smallest one. There you go. And the three kings had to order their troops to dig ditches in the middle of the wilderness. Does that sound good to you? No. Can you imagine, right? Go ahead. Get digging. Get digging. Don't take out the floor. But basically, they had to dig. This is the very last thing the kings wanted to do. Their troops have been marching around for seven days. They don't have any water. They don't have, and they're like, basically, dig ditches in this hot sun, right? And we're about to see how your greatest need can become a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. But listen, the blessing may not come the way you hope it will. The blessing may not come the way you hope it will. And this is... Elisha's big speech. I'm going to help you with the big speech. All right, here we go. This is what Elisha says. You will see neither wind nor rain. You will see none or rain. Neither wind nor rain, says the Lord. Says the Lord. Says the Lord. But this valley will be filled with water. But this valley will be filled with water. And you will have plenty for yourselves. And you will have plenty for yourselves. And your cattle and other animals. And your cattle and other animals. <laughs> that was our Academy Award moment right there. You did it awesome, man. Give me something. All right. Yeah. So these kings were hoping for a little help. They were hoping for a little rain. Instead, he says, you've got to dig some ditches if you want to get the water. But there's no cloud coming. But Elisha says there's still going to be water, right? This is a simple thing, says the Lord. This is a simple thing. This is only a simple thing for the Lord. For he will make you victorious over the army of Moab and you will conquer the best of their towns even the fortified one is what Elisha says and so they're looking for rain but he says there's not going to be any rain but you better get ready for water that's my story would you give these guys a massive hand for doing the hard lifting thank you thank you And as an added bonus, because it's second service, you can keep the swords. There you go. 
Go ahead, you guys can go back. Go back to your seats. Oh, don't fight right here. There you go. I'm going to take the cloak, though, because that thing parts the sea. There you go. Go, my friend. Give him a hand again. I'm going to try and sum this story up. This thing, they're digging ditches. They need water. And he says, this is a simple thing for the Lord. Do you have any idea how powerful God is? you have any idea what God can do? Because this is nothing for God. This is easy. This is, this is easy peasy rice and cheesy for God. He can handle this moment, right? But first, I want you to dig some ditches. Can you imagine the faith it takes to order your men in the middle of a desert with no water to say, guys, you're going to do some manual labor now. Dig the ditches. Dig the ditches. And I don't know what those guys were thinking. Maybe they were thinking, well, we're going to die here anyway. I guess we'll die working. But can you imagine those guys as they put their foot in that first shovel full? And they thought, this is crazy. But those kings ordered their men to do that. So that's the story. But here's the question. What does it look like for you and I today? What does it look like for you and me? Well, the first thing I want you to see is that what God's blessing may not look the way you think it looks. I think those guys were expecting rain. That's what I think they were expecting. And when he said, yeah, there's no rain coming, there's something else coming. I'm going to get you the water, but not the way you think I'm going to get you the water. Some of you may be praying right now for rain in your life. You're thinking, God, I just need a little bit more financially. We're buried and I need a little bit more. And let me tell you something. You think wealth is a blessing? It is not a blessing if you don't have relationships and health in your life. Anybody will trade those. And I'll tell you another time when wealth is not a blessing in your life. If you haven't learned how to manage money and somebody gives you wealth, it is a curse, not a blessing. You've got to learn how to manage it before that. And so you think, well, this is the blessing I need. God says, well, maybe I'll handle it some other way. Some of you are praying for a new job. You're like, I need a new job. This is not working for me, whatever it is that I'm doing. And God says, you know what? I'm about to turn the corner at your job. I'm about to do something you can't even expect at your job and give you opportunities to continue to minister and love the people you already have relationships with. Maybe I'm even gonna create a space for you to move up or to change things. And it may not look the way you think it should look. But God's still pouring out a a blessing. Maybe you are heartbroken because a relationship is ended. Can I tell you, when you're a young person, and and, uh, and I, I just had this happen to me this week. A young person came to me and said, I broke up with, and it is the end of the world when you're in that moment. It really feels that way. I'm not making light of it at all. It feels that way when you have lost somebody that you were invested in that relationship. But let me tell you something. When you take a step back, even for me, I had one of those in my early years, and then I look at the wife that God gave me, and I thank God every single day that he had a different blessing for me. Your blessing may not look the way you think it should look. But God in all of this is always trying to just teach us faith. How to live a life of faith. And so I'm going to wrap up very quickly with this idea of faith that works. How do you have a faith that works for you? And here's the first thing. Only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig the ditch. Only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig the ditch. And James chapter 2 says it this way. It says, just as the body is what? Dead, without breath, so faith is also what? 
dead without good works. If you read the book of James, you see very clearly how it's tied together, this idea of faith and works. Now, faith will, uh, works will never save you. You cannot be good enough to get into heaven. It doesn't work that way. But all the time we see in scripture how your faith has to be tied together with some works in order to unlock what God's going to do in your life, right? You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't really believe something until you're willing to do something about it. And and so we see that in scripture. Did God really need those men to dig the ditches? No. God could have dropped Alhambra bottles in the middle of the, he he could have done it any way he chose. But instead he wanted to partner with them. Let me see your faith. Dig some ditches. Let's see what happens. Let's see what, let's see what I can do. And God loves to see faith in action. We see it again and again and again. Let me ask you a question. If I told you this, I have, I have faith. Can you can you see my faith right now? Can anybody see it? Just looks like I'm constipated, right? You can't see faith until you start doing something because of that faith, right? And so that's how it works, right? You, can, you, you just can't. But God wants to, us to participate in the things that he's going to do. He's, got, he's the one who's going to bring the water. He's the one who's going to do the miracle. But we have a role to play. Faith means Faith doesn't mean sitting back and watching God. Faith means put on the gloves and get to work. That's what it means. Let me give you some examples. Remember my boy Peter? He says, get out the boat and come walk to me. I want you to imagine the moment that Peter lifted his leg off the side of that boat and gently stepped it down into that water. Like, is this going to happen or isn't it? And can you imagine his surprise when he's like, oh my gosh, I'm walking on water. Right? I want you to imagine the moment. We hear these stories all the time in Scripture. There was a man in the Bible who Jesus, he had a withered hand. His hand had been shriveled and withered his whole life. And he says, hey, why don't you uh, stretch out your hand? Can you imagine that guy when he was like, this is crazy. It's not going to work. But he started to gently force And he, he thought, oh, this is unbelievable. Right? There's another story in the, in the Bible where, uh, where we see uh, um, Jesus says to a man, actually it's not Jesus, it's a, it's a, it's a, a guy in the Bible who's blind from birth and, 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 and they say, uh, go wash your eyes in the pool of Shalom. Can you imagine that? When he said, go what? Can you imagine the blind guy from birth? Funny guys, where's the pool? I don't have any idea where the pool is. Is it behind me? Good one. I'm going to fall in the pool. But he starts walking into the water. Or, or, or pick up your mat and walk, guy who's been lame for birth, and he's lying. Can you imagine lying on your mat? You've been lame for birth, and they said, pick up your mat and walk. Can you imagine when he was like rolling over for the first time, and he's thinking, this is stupid. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You got to do your part. You got to do your part. God says, you do your part, I'll do mine. You do your part, I'll do mine. What about us? What about you? You're thinking, Steve, I want to quit smoking. Let me tell you something. Dig a ditch. Throw away your stash of cigarettes. You're thinking, and I know we got kids in here, but maybe you're, you're battling lust at this point in your life. Well, I got a simple thing for you. You want to dig a ditch in your life? Set up the filtering software and give your password to your wife. If you want to dig a ditch in your life, whatever's going on in your, in your world, right? You have a, a relationship that's gone bad and it's so broken and you don't have any idea what to do about it. You can sit and wait and hope 
Or you can dig a ditch. You can start to pray for your enemy. You can start to initiate contact with them. You can forgive them even before they've asked forgiveness for you. You can say, God, I can't do this on my own. You gotta bring the water, but I'm gonna dig the ditch. I'm gonna forgive them, and I'm gonna send that text message. How are you? That's what I'm talking about. We dig a ditch. We dig a ditch. You think I'm drowning financially, Steve. You have no idea I'm buried. And you think to yourself, well, yeah, you, you haven't been tithing. You haven't been giving back to God. And, and you haven't written down a budget. And you're, you know, dig a ditch. Dig a ditch. And then watch and wait God pour out the water. It's so funny to me because we don't actually know how this water came into the ditches. But uh, it, it leads me to this. It leads me to this. What? So what? It leads me to so what? Take a look at this. Oh, I, it's not so what. I forgot. I got a whole nother point. Stick with me. Here we go. Faith that works. Real faith, what? Believes big, but is willing to start small. Believes big, but is willing to start small. We, start, we serve a big God who can do anything. And I love this verse because it reminds me of it all the time. Ephesians 3.20. It says, now all glory to who? Who is what? Who is able through his what? Mighty power at work within us to accomplish what? Infinitely more than we might ask or think infinitely more. He can do anything. He is capable of anything. He's capable of more than you can imagine. He's capable of more than you can imagine. But we need to believe in that big God. And, and we need to lean into that God who can do more than we can imagine. Mo- most of us don't dream big enough, right? We, we, uh, I've heard this said before, this quote, if you, the size of your dream isn't intimidating to you, it's probably insulting to God. If the size of your dream isn't intimidating to you, it's probably insulting to God. Many of us don't dream big enough. We aren't even, but, but we need, even though we're gonna dream big, we need to start small. Let me ask you a question. How do you make a valley full of ditches? One shovel at a time. One shovel at a time. One shovel at a time. Listen to what it says in Zechariah. Do not despise these what? Small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to what? See the work begin. Sometimes we start small. Take a look at this real quick. The Wright brothers started in a garage. Amazon started in a garage. Hewlett Packard and Disney both started in garages. Mattel started in a garage. The Ramones started in a garage. In America, we celebrate the big, don't we? The big company, the big success story, the big this and that. And we forget how many of those things started so small. Amazon in a garage, the Wright brothers in a garage, Apple computer in a garage. Can I tell you something? When God starts small, you have no idea where he's going with that. No idea. The same is true for our faith. Think back to where you started. Maybe in some little Sunday school class as a kid. And look what God's done in your lifetime. Or maybe you were in a youth group meeting and, and you heard the gospel and you decided to follow after Jesus at a summer camp. I, can I tell you where my ministry began? My ministry began in a little garage in Southern California with four teenagers. That's where I started. And all I started doing was digging a ditch. One ditch at a time. God, fill it with water. Show me what you want to do. Show me what you can do in my life. We have got to be willing to start out small. So, just kidding about earlier, but what about now? Now I bring you 
Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Listen now, the story ends. The next day, at about the time when the morning sacrifice was offered, which I think is significant, water what? Suddenly appeared. Not raining, just water. Suddenly appeared. It was what? Flowing from the direction of Edom. And soon there was what? There was water everywhere. Listen, this is what God says, and this is what he's saying to you today. If you don't hear anything else, this is what God is saying to you today. Show me your faith, and I'll show you my faithfulness. Show me your faith, and I'll show you my faithfulness. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I preached this sermon about Elijah, and, and he was humble, and he got down on his knees, and all he could do was pray. And although there are moments in our life where I think that is true, we got nothing else except to pray and God, you got to move, I can't do anything. I think more often, way more often, when we get down and say, God, I have this need, I need you to show up in my life, I think God hands us a shovel. And he says, you want me to show up? Dig a ditch. I'll flood this valley with water, but you got to dig a ditch. You got a relationship that's broken? Dig a ditch. You got a situation in your life where you're in pain and hurting? Dig a ditch. Do something to honor God and watch him honor you by showing up to bless your socks off. Would you just join me in prayer this morning? Father, we want faith. The kind of faith that changes things, that, that moves people in our lives and even us, God, closer to you. But Father, I know my friends who are gathered here today, some of them need to hear this, that there is a ditch that they know they should be digging. Some part of their life where they need to prepare for you to pour out your blessing, God. But they have got to prepare the ground. They have got to do something to be ready for that blessing to flow. God, I pray that you would show them exactly how you want them to dig a ditch this morning, God. May we lean into our faith by showing you that through works, God. And then you will pour out your blessing, God. Pour out the water. May it flow into our valley, God, and fill those ditches in a way that sustains us and keeps us, God. Let us honor you through our faith. In your son Jesus' name, amen.